Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I'm sitting here with comedian Todd Glass, and I'm very excited because we've been trying to work this out for months and months and months now. Yeah, through Twitter and through, uh, through uh, emails and even texts. That's but right. It was, it was just, uh, just sort of was equally, then you know, I would get busy, then you would get busy, but we're here now in... Uh, in my dining room studios. Feels this nice. Brand new and up and running. So in an email, I said to you, I wish my house were as fantastic as the Nalabotskis, which are... <laughs> which let me know you, re- you read Yes, from the Todd Glass situation, which I thought was fantastic. Um, but it wasn't... And they're a family in the book that had this house that you thought was amazing and you wanted landscaping like theirs. Yes, and stuff. yeah. But that wasn't just my way of letting you know I read the book. Really what I was saying is I'm nervous about having you who has such a sense of like the um, what what kind of lighting you should have and ambiance. And I know that you notice every detail. What I was saying is I'm nervous about having you come to my house and see the clutter. You know what? Uh, I'm not. It's really weird when you're you're like that, and you're. You, I don't go over people's house in a catty, nauseating way. You know, um, you know. I know, like, there's there's some of the kids on my podcast. You know, they're like 19 years old. Well, well Jake started, or uh, well, Jake's 22 now, but we're uh, Aristotle, and uh, you know, you go over their house, and you know, they're young kids. But you're, I'm I'm impressed with what they do. You know, I'm always like, oh look, they took what they have, and they. <laughs> It's more for me if somebody has a lot of money and you go, geez, look, they spent all that money. And then you think, you know what I mean? But I don't, I don't, does that make sense? I don't go over someone's house and like be like, oh, lighting. I am last night on stage. Like I was, I I start talking about it now in my act and it's still, (laughs) I'm still obsessed with it. When you go over someone's house at night and they're having a party or even during the day. And I've talked about it forever because it bothers me forever. It's never like you know, you someone's having people over their house, and you go over there into their bathroom, and there's three 100 watt bulbs over the sink. And I'm thinking, like, I know they don't overtly say this, but here's what they're indirectly saying: like, well, no, I want people to come over my house. I want them to be as ugly as they can be when they go to the bathroom, because <laughs> everybody does. You go to the bathroom, you look at yourself. If you look good, you return to the living room in a better mood. And to me, no <laughs> bullshit. On a scale from one to ten, most people's bathrooms when you go in, ten being okay, eight. Probably I'd like it to – it's not the worst it could be, a seven, not the worst. I'd have right. it darker. But I'm talking the worst. If 10 was the worst, it's a 10. <laughs> From 1 to 10, 10 being the worst, it's like, are you f- shitting me, Bright? And some people say, oh, you know, they, they'll relate with me. Last night my friend Dave Rath was backstage, and he goes, yeah, I'm like you my house. I go, you know, a lot of other people tell me that. And then I go over their house, and I'm like, did they had the nerve to fucking tell me they agree with me? And what <laughs> what do they – what could be brighter than this, you know? So I don't know why it bothers me. I don't know why. It shouldn't. I How mean, do you feel about a bathroom scale just hanging out in the guest bathroom? Because I always look at that and I'm like, who are the people that are casually weighing themselves at other people's houses? Because if you have body issues, you form a relationship with your scale, and then you don't want to cheat with other scales. Most people, I think, probably won't get on a scale with all their clothes on because right. they do it. So I think the scales for – your question is, should they put their scale away? Well – I understand if your guest bathroom is also the bathroom that you use and right, the scale right. being in there. But, and, and I would argue that all the bright bulbs are better for putting on makeup if it's your bathroom. But if it's like a house that actually has a half bath or something yeah. and there's a scale in there, I think, why? Maybe why because that that's a, they use that too. Even though it's a oh, guest bathroom, right. somebody else goes down the hallway and, and they use it too. You're but a I bathroom will... scale apologist. 
Yeah, I don't think they would. Weigh, most people won't weigh themselves anyway at someone else's house because they usually weigh. I know I weigh myself in my boxer shorts because that's the thinnest I could be. Right. And after you go to the bathroom exactly. and definitely not after eating like salty hors d'oeuvres or whatever you're being served at their house. So you were just in the Bahamas, right? I was. How was it? I don't know. It, it was unbelievable. I don't take vacations that often. And Harbor Island is an island where the l- people that live there are s- the kindest, sweetest people. It's not like they have resentment towards you. You know where some people, they hate the, they hate the tourists. Right. Uh, they love the tourists. And the bars at night are usually a mix of everybody. The locals, the people that have lived there. And there's just golf carts. That's it. There's just golf carts. And I felt... We have friends, a group of us have gone, rented this house there. In the last 10 years, I haven't gone every year, but a group of them go every year. We rent this really cool, sort of a shabby house right on the bay. And um, so we know a lot of people that live there. Some people have homes there. They go every summer. And we've got friendly with a lot of people. And so we know people that are like 70 that we love, this couple Barry and Joanne, which, by the way, I look at Those them. Those are great names for a couple that's 70. Barry and Joanne. Barry is Barry just turned, we found out, 80. Oh. Joanne is 72. And they are everything I want to be. <laughs> because we realize, you know, everyone's afraid of getting old and lonely. You know, they go, oh, we should have kids. You should have kids for so many great reasons. I'm not anti-kid, but so many people have them. You ever hear people go, oh, you're going to be old and lonely. Well, mm-hmm. you won't be old and lonely if you're old and you're interesting and fun. And they have such a crazy zest for life that we compare everybody to them. Like, we'll be in the golf cart and see another couple that's like probably 60. And we go, look at them just sitting there. <laughs> with just no, we're eating dinner. You ever see a couple eating dinner and they're just putting the food yes, in their mouth? it's and very sad. It's sad. And you're like, and then we look at Barry and Joanne just full of life and wisdom. And they go out and they dance. And when they dance, even if it, it's the type of island where you'll hang out with 17-year-olds. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they're the kids going out. Their parents let them go out on the island because <laughs> it's like their first time out by themselves. And there's a frenetic energy about that age over in one corner. And then there's Barry and Joanne. Everybody mixes. And when they're dancing, nobody looks at them and goes, oh, it's sad. They go, look at that, for lack of a better word, hip couple dancing. And then there were kids we hung out. I ended up doing a show there. And uh, then after that, that's the it wipes away every age barrier. Right. So we were – I was literally in the golf cart one night – playing cops and robbers with these <laughs> group of kids that were at the show the night before. And I'm following them in the golf cart. I'm like, pull it over. <laughs> and they're behind. They're going, wee, wee. <laughs> and I'm like, as I'm doing it, I'm like, I'm the luckiest person in the world to have this just silliness in this, not fun I ha- would have like in college, but high school type of fun. Right. So it was great and um, just, just loved it. Do you have a Barry and Joanne like zest for life? I hope I do. I mean, is it wrong to say yes? I do. It's yes, not I wrong do. to say that. Yeah, yes, I do. I, I, I don't know why, but I will often. I tell everyone to do this because I think it helps enjoy great situations and uh, pull yourself out. I hope I can make this clear and may pretend you're it's in a movie. So like. You're in a situation where not everyone gets to do it, especially with what you do and what I do. Um, uh, and. Uh, you, uh, you, you're backstage somewhere, or you're doing a show. If it was in a movie, you know what I mean? Like, hypothetically, that scene's in a movie, and someone else was playing you, but all your friends knew that that's, oh, my God, that's Todd, or that's Allison. Would you, when they go, was it really like that? And you go, yeah. But maybe when it was all unraveling, and then return to the scene, return to the real life, mm. you know what I mean? Like, in your head, drift off, think about it, and then return and go, yeah, soak this the fuck up. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I get mad like everyone else, and sometimes I probably get, you know, I'm, I don't, but I, I do. That's why I, I make a million jokes about killing myself whenever my friends are leaving my house. I'm always, and I'll tell you why I think they're comfortable. So I always go, all right, well, because I don't want anyone to leave ever when I'm having uh-huh. like, people over. So I always go, all right, we'll go. I might kill myself. <laughs> and my friends will text me, go, don't forget to kill yourself, <laughs> which to me is the biggest compliment in the world because they go, look. Todd's not perfect and he gets sad and he gets happy and he probably gets angry, but he's not going to kill himself. And that's the compliment they pay me by. Yeah, we can do this joke. And uh, so I think they know because, no, I would never kill myself because I just um, I don't want to leave this place yet. I have love you it here. Always... That's what people do to kill themselves, by the way. They, they don't they say no. what I'm saying. No, they don't. I asked Unless, my friend right. Kevin, that's a therapist. Uh-huh. Hey, well, should I stop making that joke with my friends? He goes, well, if it. I'm sure people do make that joke and do it, but overwhelmingly, no, they don't make a joke for 10 years saying they're going to kill themselves. And then, But if I did, it would be on this podcast, and everyone would go, he all, the joke is, my parents would go, well, if he said he was going to kill himself, why would you all left this house that night? And they go, no, you don't understand. Todd always said he was going to kill himself. Then they'd be like, he always said he was going to kill himself. <laughs> what kind of friends are you? What kind of friends are you? You know? Anyway. Well, this... This gratitude for life, which I actually imagine you've had your whole life, but I'm wondering, having a heart attack and really almost dying, did that make you appreciate being alive more? You know, I don't think I had it my whole life. I think what happened was, in when I was younger, I you know, it, it was about in high school when I started to make some friends, uh, but I didn't. I, you know, we moved around a lot, and I hated school. Like so many people listening, you know, I had a stomachache with school, and I was dealing with, you know, I think it, dealing with my sexuality in hindsight was probably. Just, just a lot. You know yeah. what I mean. Uh, but you know, it's be- when you have a crush on the opposite sex at thirteen, it's like, wow, that's hard to deal. But you can tell a buddy, you can tell right. a friend to to have that all going on and just keep it silent. It's like, wow. So I was probably dealing with all that in life. Was so now the fact that I do stand up comedy and like I said about going to Harbor Island after I did the show, like you just there's no age. You get you're ageless. You know, mm-hmm. you you can hang out with anybody. You know. Um, I think I'm appreciative of it all the time. Like, I get to be in college, that, that type of fun. Or even, like I say, younger even. College, you're starting to think about things. But almost like, you know when you see kids that have their license and they're able to go to the mall and go out? But they don't really have life problems yet, but they have the independence for the first time. And they're out and it's fun and it's frenetic energy. And I miss that time of life. Yeah, well, I feel like I get to do it still. So that's why I think, yes, I just soak it in. And yeah. I love it. And... I have my friends that I've had forever, but comedy is a great tool to make new best friends. Even if they're friends I only see when I go to Dallas. I have some friends in Bloomington. I'll probably only see them when I'm in Bloomington, but when I'm there, we're like, you know, go out and have a good time. And I think because of that, and I think also, if I could say this, and I think you'll take it in context, when you're younger and you're popular, you don't often use it for good. No. Not always. Sometimes there's kids ahead of their time, like Dave Olson, if you read my book. Um, but now that when you're popular and I can use it for good, I can go into a room and see who's shy and see who's in like, and, and, and use it for, you know, to, mm-hmm. as a, a good tool. Right. To be so, inclusive. Right. But you mentioned at a pretty young age in your book, wanting to defend people and wanting to come into people, wanting to come to people's defense. There was a story about a waitress. Well, that's because when I was younger, I remember when people did with me, you know, I, I didn't know all this stuff until when I wrote the book and I worked this guy named Jonathan Grotstein, who was the 
I said ghostwriter. He was actually the, the co-writer. Um, then you're you didn't. If I, someone said, "Hey, sit down for two years and you'll figure out yourself," no way. I don't have that. <laughs> but through writing the book, I went, oh, "Okay, everything makes sense. Things do make sense. It's just hard to figure it out sometimes." I got to do it in a very lazy way, in in a way, because I never knew I was doing it. But hearing people not say anything. And I always like not speak out, not speak out. Right. And it was never the worst thing. I grew up. My parents were extremely open minded. There was never any talk at my house like just disgusting, foul, you know, homophobic or racial, uh, Mm -hmm. nothing like that. But, you know, someone might say something like, would you go to would you use a woman doctor? You know, that (laughs) seems weird. But when I was 15 or something about, you know, uh, maybe uh, somebody that's gay, you know, and showed up with their boyfriend and. Uh, to hear somebody say something, even mildly, I was like, I remember it. You know how I know I remember it yeah. from when I was 12 or 13? Cause I'm telling you. Yeah. So I thought, Oh, some little comment can make someone feel so good. Don't worry about the people that you're offending. Worry about the people you're going to make feel awesome at that table. So now I try to, if I'm somewhere, I don't do it because some people say, just live your life. Don't be preachy. It's hard. You have to you do both. I, yeah. I hope I live it and I preach it. I have a podcast. So someone I used to repeat myself on some of my feelings and I used to always feel bad. Someone said, look, you repeat yourself all you fucking want. That's what the other people do that disagree with you. They repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. And eventually people believe it. So you repeat what you have to say. So I try to speak out now if I'm in a situation or seeing someone being rude to a waitress. You know, I always say I'd rank very high on what would you do that show? <laughs> you know, I think I'd right. be pretty good. Um, something that I, uh, related to or was thinking about, and I know you have that thing in your book about how, even if someone's situation that they're trying to relate is not exactly the same, just take it because they're trying to relate. So that made me feel okay with sharing what I'm about to share, which is you talk in your book about the fact that a lot of people didn't understand why you were so hesitant to reveal your sexuality for so long because, hey, we live in a day and age where it's okay. Everyone, you know, pe- most people, let's say, are accepting, et cetera. Well, I was raised, I didn't know I was Jewish till I was in my early 20s, be- which I know is insane because my last name and the way I look and uh, an array of things. But my dad didn't think, I, I, it's a long, I mean, it's a long story, but he told us we were, we were raised in Orange County. And I guess when we first moved down, there was a lot of, he saw a lot of anti-Semitism and he just felt like we don't embrace the religion part of it. And it'll be easier for them if they don't think they're Jewish because Jews get treated like they're other around here. So that just began us, him telling me I wasn't Jewish and me because I have my dad on a pedestal believing it. And whenever I tell that story now, it doesn't make sense to people. It still doesn't even really make sense to me. But they're like, but it's fine to be Jewish now. And it's like, yes, but my dad's older. And to him, it wasn't always fine. I understand it completely because, number one, I did it on my own a little bit because dealt with some – and I always say the words anti-Semitism or homophobic. I almost don't like to use them because sometimes people don't. What's that mean? You know, you know. Right. It, it, it right. Means, and it's not like they're throwing mad. something through your window. It's no. just they're treating you like you're yeah. an alien. We had a little bit of that where there was some damage. You know, right. what happens is it usually they don't just decide you're Jewish and hate you. It'll be something else you do. And then they find that reason. I mean, we had Christmas lights up and everything and they found out we were Jewish. So I used to say I was half Italian, half Jewish. And 
because I didn't want to because I, and sometimes people go that's the Italian in you coming out I was like well if that's if this isn't indirectly proven something <laughs> and then affectionately Judd Apatow said are you a self-hating Jew this is when I was like 23 or 24 I said no 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 I just been doing that so then I decided just say you're Jewish I would stop saying you're half Italian, half right. Jewish. So the next time I was out, and it probably was four months before it happened, somebody casually, hey, what's your background or whatever? I would go, I'm half Jewish. And then I would go, here's your, they go, what's the other half? I go, Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> they go, you're all Jewish. I go, yeah, I, I'm slowly admitting it to people. But yeah, you don't, you know what? That's the thing that I've learned, and I've done it. Be insensitive to someone's plight because you just don't really believe it exists. And I think sometimes, and I'm probably repeating myself, When your own circle of friends are open-minded, and I'm not saying this to say we haven't made advancements because I do think we have, and I've clearly said it. Tomorrow is better. We don't need to go backwards. We need to go forward. So stating that, I don't take for granted. Everyone knows everything I've said. So stating that, that I think we're at a better place than we used to be, as bad as things that are going on now. Um, Sometimes when people circle themselves with open-minded people, they don't know what's going on in the world. They're out of touch with it. It's great you have friends that aren't prejudiced or racist or sexist, but that's not the real world. Right. And Just look at Twitter. Yeah, look at Twitter. And, you know, the the positive thing about Twitter, I think, is in a way, number one, I think it's overwhelmingly done so much good and so much positive. Overwhelmingly, I think Twitter, you could probably figure it out. Someone probably knows the stats. I think it's probably overwhelmingly a lot of love being thrown mm-hmm. around. People throw love at the favorite podcast person or throw love at their favorite comedian. There's a ton of really warm, decent, kind, loving people. For the negative, I think that's good in a way, too, if I'm going to twist it into a good. Those people it always shines exist. light on it? It always existed. They just get, couldn't anonymously, obviously, throw their hate out. Now, everyone said that, but no one said, why is it good? Because that's out there. That's out there, right. and now you know what's out there. If you want to know if there's still racist people or sexist people, go read Twitter, and then you'll go, oh, those people, that group still does deal with that. So that's yeah. the way I try to turn that, that stuff into a positive. Yeah, no, it's good they have a silent voice because their energy was out there before. It's yes. not like they were open-minded people. Now they go, oh, now we can be ignorant. They were always ignorant. Right, and, that, and those attitudes when they're concealed are almost more dangerous which I wanted to ask about, um, you talk about the people who are like 90% uh, open-minded, and I wanted to ask a little bit about that. But first, I want to tell all you guys about how I want to give you guys free snacks, NatureBox snacks, delicious, wholesome snacks from NatureBox, zero artificial flavors, colors or sweeteners, zero grams of trans fats, and no high-fructose corn syrup. Some have no added sugar and no gluten ingredients. So much better for you than those other snack options. You know the options. problem, and I don't mean to interrupt you, I wish they could just deliver these right to your doorstep. Oh, Todd. Oh, shut up. Yeah, oh, yes, they can. Oh. That's the thing. Yeah, but what do they do? They're probably, what's it, like a thousand bucks to get this no, stuff? No, it's super, well, it's super affordable. And right now you can get Nature Box for free with a trial box of five of their most pa- popular snacks. I don't know if you're the same All as right, I don't am. play jokes on your listeners. No, it's, I, it really it's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You can get peanut butter nom noms, baked sweet potato fries, dark cocoa almonds. I um, am a huge fan of any sort of sampler box of anything. So that's why I think this is pretty amazing that you can get a free sampler box with five of their most popular snacks. If you go to naturebox.com slash Allison, again, that's naturebox.com slash Allison. Go there now and get your free trial box. Okay. By the way, the sweet potato. So good, right? My favorite, yeah. And I don't get anything from that company. That's Honest. your favorite of, the, of all the well, potatoes or, uh, no, or of, the, some, of the Nature Box Of snacks. the Nature Box. Yeah, yeah, they're all really good. Jimmy Pardo gave me a big box of snacks when I left. 
I okay. ate them on the car on the way home. Yeah. You, six, you dig in right away. Six items. I'm not lying. <laughs> six items the whole way home. I'm like, just stop. Stop it, Todd. What's wrong with you? So 90% acceptance. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to say this out of paranoia. I love to talk about this stuff. And sometimes, you know, you get paranoid. Like people will say, oh, you know, he's a comedian. But I'm, I always remind them in case there's someone listening that thinks that it's so stupid of me to go. Yeah, I can do both now. That's why I love podcasting. You can be funny. You can be serious. And I, I love the both. And a lot of this stuff, it's not preaching. It's not getting up on a pedestal. I don't think anybody half with 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 intelligent person thinks oh people say what would make this world better because they think they're perfect no where i'm fault at fault where i need help i listen to other people i hope i'm helping because i know there's people i've listened to over the years on radio and podcasting and they went, oh i like the way they looked at that or oh i realized that it's it's full circle with that in mind <laughs> i you know it's funny you ask that because i always uh I got an email, two emails, and one I'm, and I was ready to answer them on my podcast, but I, I can answer it here. One was about an unnecessarily uh, transgender uh, kid uh, killing herself, and the other one was of a two kids, the two got two guys got kicked out of this restaurant for kissing, mm. you know, and to me. The people that threw them out of the restaurant and the people that, however, the uh, the uh, young person, the transgender, uh, I'm trying to say that right, the transgender woman uh, got, got killed. I don't know the details of it because I haven't read the emails in full, but I thought of something and that goes back to 90 percenters. The people that think, oh, I would never do that. You know what I mean? Uh, or like, I don't care if people are gay. I don't think they can pray the gay away. Or I would never go, you know, harm a gay person. But they think, leave them alone with the marriage. Like, <laughs> stop with the marriage. Stop with the, you know. Right. Right. Like, it's okay if you're gay. I just don't want to have to know about it. Yeah. And by the way, I always wonder if they really are okay if someone's gay. But right. I'm going to give it a given. They do not well, care. Well, I'm sure many of their good friends are. Yeah. They're good. Matter of fact, this is the line I always use. Matter of fact, our son, his friend is gay. He went on a Christmas trip with us last year. And I don't believe they're lying. I don't believe they're lying. I think that's probably true. But when you're 90%er, that's a 90%er. Obviously, the kid's gay. They mm -hmm. went on a trip with them. You know, all those type of things. But 90%ers, but leave the marriage alone. The people that will do those acts of hate align themselves with you. They just think you're too much of a coward to right. say the way you really feel. You might not align yourself with them. And people listening right now are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, I didn't say you align yourself with them. You think what they did is disgusting. You think that maybe people can pray the gay away or you think maybe they should give up on the marriage. But you would never from your heart of hearts hurt anybody. Okay, I know that. But they align themselves with you. So if you're a hundred percenter, it's so much easier for them not to align themselves with you. So if somebody goes, should gay people be able to get married? This is a lot cleaner. Okay. Um, just in case we're, we're going to be friends for a long time. Let's say you have a new friend and they ask you that. Take all tone out of your voice and go, Hey, just, just so you know, cause I think this will make it a lot easier. I think anybody should do whatever they want. And this might be a great way to go through life. You know what you want and the rights you want and everything. You just want to do whatever you do until you break a law and you lose that right. Forget about that. Everything you want, every right you want, everything you want to do, every place you want to go, every, everybody else on this planet, every fucking single person on this goddamn planet wants the same fucking thing and they deserve it. Okay. Did you, you they deserve it. And don't try to use, I love that, you know, I love that 
you know, that line of don't try it. I, I used it before, but I changed it a little. Don't take the shabby garment of hatred and bigotry and sexism and homophobicness and try to dress it up as religious freedom. Any group, you know, I think, and that's why I say, and I do say this in the book, people that are like gay and they're racist or people that are black and they're homophobic, that's what fucking makes my head want to explode. Yeah, mine too. Because you know what they're saying? Indirectly. They're not saying it, but they're fucking saying it. Oh, no, 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 no. My group that was <laughs> deprived of certain things was done unnecessarily. This group, no, no, I'm not like hating that group and not wanting to have things in an ignorant way. No, no, no. My way's legitimate. When your group was deprived of what you wanted, they thought they were doing it legitimately too. No group was ever deprived of something because the other group went, we're just dumb and stupid. Oh, why, <laughs> sh why, why should they be able to have it? Yeah, we're just dumb. No, they tried to brilliantly explain, no, no, this group shouldn't have that right. And then they turn around and they do it to another group. Shame on you. Shame on you. And it's sexism. They go, nah, it's not. It is. So I'm done. <laughs> Um, so many things jumped out to me from your book. I'm just trying to figure out which ones I want to ask you about. Um, well, something that struck me was that you talked about you had called Mark Marin and you wanted to make the announcement um, on his podcast. And then you waited a little while before you were actually ready to to, um, you know, announce that you um, announce your sexuality. Do you how do you feel about the word gay? Do you now say you are gay or I know that you are uncomfortable? No, no, no. That, by the way, just so I'm really clear with that, that's my own issue. That's my own right, issue. Right, right. Mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, how do you personally I, feel I, about I it I now? have to get over that because, you know, I'm always a big believer of like, how are people going to – when they hear a podcast, like there's some kid 30 years from now, let's say, listening to the show and hears I have a hard time. Well, the, the, word, the word gay – it might still be used the word to describe people that are gay. Um, guys that like guys, <laughs> girls that like girls or whatever. Uh, and they hear me having such a hard time with it. I'm going to be like, I don't want to be embarrassed. So something's just spit it out and stop it. Uh, so I'm okay with it. I mean, you can hear, I think what you hear me saying is I'm getting better with it. Right. Just fucking say it. Sometimes I say, so yeah, yeah, I'm okay with it. Sometimes I bounce around. I'm like, you know, like the, the best way I know it is to just say some emailer said just like. I like dudes. Can I help it? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you know. So before you were gonna gonna talk, make that announcement, talk about that, you went back home to Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, yeah. and you were walking around thinking this is the last time I'll be here as a you know straight guy. I know. I, and I, you hadn't. It just struck me that you had nostalgia for your pretend life. I know because I thought after that. By the way, I was completely wrong. Happy to be wrong. I thought that. It would never be, you know, in certain situations, and, and again, this what I was paranoid, paranoid about, too. People would be like, oh, we knew Todd was gay. Like, and I only wrote one thing down to talk to Mark Marin about. One thing, and it was that. I go, please do me a favor. Spare me. People love to say it. I don't know why. I, they get some sort of adrenaline yeah, rush yeah. to say. Even people that don't give a shit, and genuinely don't give a shit about anybody. They go, hey, Todd was on Mark Marin. He said he was gay. Like, we didn't all know. <laughs> and I went, please spare me of that. Please. I know that the majority of my friends knew. By the way. Some did not, mm -hmm. but I knew overwhelmingly everybody fucking knew of anything from a very affectionate place. They were like, oh, that's sad, Todd. I wasn't telling everybody. I was saying what you all already know. Now I'm going to be honest about. And for the people that listen to my podcast or come see my stand up, they didn't know a lot of those people. And for them, it was for me to be honest. But um, yeah, I went back home and I was like, I just thought that would become my identity. And again, right. it shows how times change. Like. 
you know, you're somewhere where someone is talking. This happened once at the Bahamas. I wanted to go there one more time as as, as straight. Mm-hmm. And they went, oh, yeah, you know, our gay friends are coming. But that's just dated. That's just a date. It's, it's erasing. And I thought, I don't want that to be like my right. life. But I think because I don't make it my whole identity, nobody else has. Mm-hmm. Nobody else has. So, uh, but yeah, I did. I wanted to go back one more time to Philadelphia. I, I was really... You know, it was overwhelming. I, I knew a lot of my... I knew all my comedian friends wouldn't give a shit. You know, like we said, they already fucking knew. I, I just said the word fucking. For no, I don't like when I overcurse. That's all right. I don't mind cursing. I think cursing, it's just one so far. I think I jammed it in there. On that, my, oh, my... I was trying to toughen it up, maybe. Um, <laughs> but uh, I knew my comedian friends all knew. But uh, I was surprised how many people that... Maybe that's reverse uh, judging. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because I was surprised, like I was saying, one of my friends back home, I know him because, how do I explain it? a long story, like friends of mine, their parents owned a bar. And then through that, like I knew all the family and the cousins and this one guy, Tony Ryan, you know, and I didn't know, I didn't know, I had no reason to think he would give a shit, but I don't know why I just perceive, perceive that he would. And I always go back home and hang out at that bar. Still, I'll go back and see all the Ryans. And Tony called me up and he left that message. He's like, hey, Todd. He goes, well, you, you, you had a good run. <laughs> like as a straight guy. You had a good run. It's over. He goes, I can't wait to see you, buddy. And I was like, you know, I, I, I would just like, you know, shed a tear. I, w- I would get very like, it's over. Like, that's what I felt like. Like, it's over. It's over. And but again, not everybody has that. That's why when kids email me, mostly young people for advice, I do not want to give shitty advice. I don't know their situation. I don't want to tell them. All I can say is, you know, I try to give them advice that's good, not mm-hmm. going, oh, do it. Maybe it, maybe it would be better for some kids to some wait. do it tomorrow. Some wait till you're out of the house if you're going to college anyway. It's different for everybody. It's different for everybody. Do you wish that you had come out sooner? I know that's – it's, like, always hard for me to ask that question. I I, I mean, at a – yeah, I guess in a way, but I didn't, so I'm fine with it. But right, but yeah, because I would have had a, you know, I was happy before, but it's so much better now. It's exhausting lying all the time. Yeah, so exhausting. And you know what the worst part of lying is? What you can lie when no one knows. People get away with lies. It's not absurd to think that lying when you know they know. Lying yeah. when you know they know. How many cousins can I have that come to my show with me? <laughs> <laughs> one more question about this. I, I don't want to force you to yeah. continue to talk about this and um, i don't I, by the way i don't mind i didn't talk about it for so long so whenever it comes up you know sometimes i talk about it sometimes i don't but i'm, I'm oh. always i'm always happy okay to talk about good it. then don't mind it at all just 1500 more <laughs> questions about this um well to the best of your knowledge of yourself why did you feel why were you he- so hesitant to come out for so long? You get comfortable. You know, I, I one time while flying back from a job opening up for Louis C.K., the, the, he started to talk about something on his show. And it was at the point when I was just getting ready. I think I was mm-hmm. amping up. It was a year and a half away. And, he was and so the me, listeners know you had been in a relationship I was with in, a man for like many, many 13 years. 13 years. Yeah. 13 years. And, and so, so, so he was talking about something and then I said, I was like, I would get so nervous. It was so hard to say. By the way, it still is. I dealt with this situation in the Bahamas with, with somebody that I'm probably going to be friends with for a while. Uh, sort of a, this family we met and I was friendly with their kids and, you know, uh, uh, 
but I thought they knew because they knew my comedy. But they didn't know. So I was like, I didn't say anything while we were there. But I am going to say something. But I, it's hard to say still. I don't know why. But so I – what was the question about – oh, yeah. Well, why didn't you? It, it, so I told Louie. I finally said, Louie, i got to tell you something. And in the, on the plane, I just told him. And he went – he goes, I, I, I think I knew you were about to tell me. I said, why? He goes, because you were sweating profusely. <laughs> when I, so he said – he said, can I tell you why? And he asked the same question. Mm-hmm. I, I said, people ask me that. And I go, I don't know why it's so hard to tell people. And he goes, you got comfortable in the lie. You didn't want to stir things up. Right, right. Well, because it's a sense, I didn't think about that aspect of it, that when you come out to people who you've known for a while, there's this, oh, hi, I've been lying to you for many years aspect mm-hmm. of it. So, sometimes there's that. And, and the real people that are, I don't want to say in, intelligent, but. You'll know what I mean. They get it. They're like, no, they don't think you're a liar. They just right. get that that was something you hit. They don't think your being is like that. But yeah, you get comfortable in the lie and I, the identity thing. I didn't want it to be my identity. Mm-hmm. I was like, I thought that that would. They, I didn't want to be like you know. So I don't. I think for anybody listening that is worried about that, if you don't make it your identity, and when I mean you don't make it your identity, that doesn't mean you shouldn't. Be, you should be embarrassed about it. It's just not. You know the way I relate it. Like I don't really talk about it in my act yet, but I will. I do once in a while I poke at it. Mm-hmm. But if you're black or Chinese or Jewish, probably your whole act shouldn't be about it. Right. If you want it, it's just an unwritten law that you just shouldn't be. Should it not be in there at all? Of course not. Being black is a part of your life. Being Jewish might be a part of your life. But don't make it your bullshit shtick. Right. You know, I think if you listen to like the greats of the, all the great comics uh, that I consider the greats, like you listen to Chris Rock, he has jokes about that involve him being black, but it's not everything. And that's the way I think you know, that I would be when I'm ready to talk about it. I will, but I was just, um, I I was afraid that I didn't like it's not my identity, so I guess it won't become. So anybody out there listening, thinking I don't want it to become my identity, if it's not your identity, uh, it won't become your identity. Other and, people won't make it your identity. I don't think. And isn't that more... I mean, for if someone is profoundly uncomfortable around a gay person, then to them, that might become who you are. But for the vast majority of people, it's... You know, it's so funny. I was going to tag that, and I thought I cleaned... I, I thought, oh, am I over... Am I getting... You're right. I guess if you're in an area where everybody has a problem with gay people or, or your, your family has a problem with it, you're right. It will become your identity. But the un... un not your cho- not by anything you're doing. It's just their problem with it. It's like if you were black and everybody on your street hated black people. Well, that's your identity, the black family. Right. You know. Uh so but yeah, it didn't become my identity in the circles of people that don't give a shit. But people do say things that where they reveal that they just think of other groups as different than them. Examples being like, "Oh, I love Jews." Really? Yeah, well, that's all of them. <laughs> that's why that's like so. Don't say you love Jews. Just say that because there's good Jews and bad Jews. Yeah. There's good people. Just get to know people. It's it's like a no brainer for us. But right. Yeah, I, I um yeah because because I've I've uh, no I'm I'm good. But I think that that it was comments like that along with like outright hate that my dad saw that made him make the decision he made, which I don't agree with. Uh, I understand it. I wish he hadn't made that decision yeah. because. It made me lie to a lot of people, and they knew the truth. So that was an uncomfortable yeah. position for me. But I do understand. I, I totally what understand it, especially because, again, not that it was healthy for anybody to right. lie who they are, but especially because he didn't believe in the religious part of it. Yes. So he was going. We're not kissing goodbye. 
It, but still not the healthiest thing in the world, but I totally understand. Well, Your dad just goes, we don't believe in it that It was like, shit. I don't want them to define who I am. I get to choose who I am. Right. That was how he saw it. Yeah. But the thing is, it unfortunately, it's one of those things where it doesn't really work. You, you don't get... You don't get to say you uh, – the whole world will see you as Jewish if you actually are. So yeah. it's seen as a culture. I mean it's seen as a race, an mm-hmm. ethnicity. Anyway, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about the fact that uh, you should send someone a beautiful modern rustic bouquet from books.com. Their flowers are cut the day you order them, which means you get them sooner and they last longer for you. They're from the side of an active volcano and they're shipped direct to your door from Ecuador. Wow. From Ecuador. Imagine the stories they could tell. Flat pricing, no upsells, if they could talk, or hidden costs, no teddy bears, cheap candy, or vases. Um, Shipping is always free, and what you see is what you get. There's no bait and switch. The pictures you see on the website are literally what they send you. Um, And if you want to get 15% off, visit thebooks.com. That's T-H-E-B-O-U-Q-S.com, and use the promo code A-Rosen. So again, thebooks.com, promo code A-Rosen. But hurry up because the deal expires January 27th. Again, that's promo code A-Rosen to get 15% off your gorgeous books flowers. Um, In your book, you the title of your book, The Todd Glass Situation, and then in in the book you do refer to your sexuality and not being open about it as your situation in your life is that how you referred to it no i used to i used to i told my friend daniel um keen i'll give him a shout out uh (laughs) appears uh, on your podcast what he appears on your podcast yeah well he used to he used to he's been a little busy lately but uh uh that somebody asked me once like i think it was like my friend chris was uh my friend wink wink uh my sin my my partner in crime is what an emailer told me to say and the crime is we disob- are, are you guys back together no now? no no oh. but we were but we're still very we're very close still but i would say like someone would be like oh yeah his family's coming in and then maybe daniel goes do they know about you guys i'm like no they don't know about our situation he goes oh is that what you're in a situation <laughs> but i really wanted to call the book but they wouldn't let me and simon and schuster they were really awesome but so this is the only one thing and i'm still not sure they were right but they were so awesome and so great and from start to finish. Um, I wanted to call the book, but I think the subtitle, I don't even like the word in the closet. And again, it, there's certain words I don't like because they're wrong to use. This isn't that. This is my own issue. Okay. In the closet. It's a term. It's a, everybody knows what you mean. It's a fine term. Like he was in the closet, but I don't like the term. But be, if they would have let me call the book this, I would have even let that term be in the book and here's what it was because the subtitle explains it all i ever wanted to do was meet a nice girl with cancer and other stupid things i did and said to keep the closet door shut (laughs) and most people just from that alone figured out they go did you want to meet a girl with cancer so she would die and then when she died you'd be able to go oh i never got over karen yes (laughs) me and my friend rich which was like one of my first friends that was like just a regular guy that i met wasn't i could relate with um, he just seemed like a regular dude, you know, and I was probably 19 or 20 at the time. It was someone to talk to like all this shit, all these feelings I had. And, um, he, we, that was our plan. I, I told him first, he goes, that, that's what I wanted to do. And, uh, so they said, I don't know why they were afraid to do it, but they were go, well, it might... was it the cancer thing or the closet? Well, the, well no, that reference, the, the, it was the cancer. I was, what I was saying was if they let me call it that, then I was willing to have the subtitle right. be and other stupid oh, things I, I see, said yeah. to keep the closet door shut. And then I changed it to all I ever wanted to do was meet a nice girl with a terminal disease, figuring it's still funny. Right. But softened it. Softened it a little. 
Uh, but they said no. And I had a friend, mom, going through cancer. And I thought if anybody can give a valid opinion, whether that would be disrespectful, she said, absolutely not. That's all about your plight. You didn't think it through. It has nothing to do with someone with cancer. It has everything right. to do with you were so nervous and so desperate that you thought it, you, 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 you didn't think it through. You didn't think of a human being. You just thought, oh, that would be great. I'll be like 75 years old. I never got over and then I would change the name. The joke was, and they'd be like, wait, I thought it was Karen. Sharon. <laughs> Karen Sharon. That was your middle name. Karen Sharon. You know. yeah. So that was the original name that I wanted. I thought it was interesting. There's a scene in the book where you are kind of passed out by the pool. And oh, there's a, I know. No, <laughs> a, I don't. a girl who, who hits on you and ultimately um, goes down on you. I acted, I acted like I was sleeping. Yeah. And she had some fun. Um, but you... I had some fun too. Well, you, you comment that you might not be, but your your my, my penis is bisexual. Yes. <laughs> um, well, you know what's funny, and I think there. Let me go into this saying this uh, this way. I think there are people that are one hundred percent straight. Uh, you know, they have no desire for the other sex. I don't like when people. I think it's often gay people that go everybody. No, they're not. Stop it. No, they're not. I know. I have ze- and hell, I know it. I have zero interest in women. Zero. Um, obviously sexually, you know, feel a little insulted, but okay. <laughs> Carry on. Oh, how dare I am sitting right here. Um, I always feel I need to say this. Like, obviously I don't hate women. If anything, women are judged better. I know not reacting to what yeah. you said. I, I fairly judge women more than anybody. All I'm judging women on when I meet them is, uh, their, uh, their personality. That's all. And sometimes, and I'm sure this happens to lesbians as well, there's a guy, and maybe with a lesbian, and he knows he's better looking than the girl. He just does. Sometimes you know. And then he's hitting on this girl because he likes her, and he's even better looking than her, better looking um, aesthetically. Right. You know. But yeah, that's, of course, when we talk about looks. And And they think, what the fuck? So I had that too with sometimes with women. That's how I knew that women, yes, I believe their DNA might be not as... Uh, sexually uh, motivated horny let's say right. but a lot of that's just uh, societally taught because I've had so many situations where I wasn't reacting and because I'm not f- very I'm not flaming they didn't think oh obviously the guy's gay and they would be like what the fuck is this guy what's his problem you know they think you're sort of being a dick you know yeah. and they by the way they would they get, love that they would get very <laughs> aggressive mm-hmm. I went oh they're just not aggressive because they don't have to be. But when they had to be, because I wasn't reacting. But hold on. Let me go back to what you originally said. So I think there are people that are 100% straight. But I think the scale, like we've all heard before, is all over the place. And I think the reason I can tell that story, that story does not make me straight. It doesn't make me straight. I, I, at the time, I was hoping everybody found out. <laughs> the next day at the club, I was like, oh, yeah, this could fucking buy me a few years. You know, I was like, oh, please, someone be looking. Please, <laughs> please, somebody have been looking while this girl was blowing me. And, and, I, and it went all the way, you know, as I acted like I was sleeping. Eventually, I think I woke up a little. I was like, oh, oh what are you doing? Um, but it didn't make me straight. It didn't make me straight. You think, well, what did it? It made me, you know, you're, you're, that's. But at the time, as it was happening and you're pretending to be asleep, were you thinking, I'm not into this, but I guess I am into this? Or, I, I thought, mean... I think I knew analytically enough. I didn't have a sexual, uh, I didn't have a, a attraction towards her. Attraction means when someone, their arm touches your arm, you get a stomach ache in your hair, you get the chills. That's, right. the, that's what it is. And. Um, that's, it, but it was just now I'm older and I can sort of explain it. But even then I was, 
I was probably 27, you know, so I wasn't young. And I was mm-hmm. able to go, oh, yeah. And my, a friend of mine that's uh, – uh, what do you, he, he's a he's – a, he's, he's the study, study of human sexuality as one of his uh, – uh, uh, he, he's a therapist, but that's something he studies a lot. Okay. And he was able to break it down. He goes, there's no shame in being straight. Societally, that's the norm. So you're allowed to omit that story. If it was the other way around, if there was, and it's getting there, where there was no shame at all, a guy's not gay, but he just had an experience, but like me, there was, now it's a little embarrassing. If you have one thing happen in college, why tell anybody if, if you're genuinely, I'm not talking about someone that fucks a girl because they're hiding it. And no, I'm talking about that someone is just like me, only mm-hmm. the opposite. They're not interested in men at all. They have one situation, maybe even a little more than I had. If there was no shame in it, that they'd casually tell the story, but right. there still is shame in it. So, um, but eventually there won't be, it's going to be just like, yeah, you're, you're going to, there's that sliding scale and you're going to pick one. But, um, some people still say, and I don't know the answer to this because someone just answered me about bisexual people. Some people go, there's no such thing. I don't think that's necessarily true. I don't. And I think that might be reversed. People that are saying, don't put everybody into a box. Yeah, that's people who perhaps want you to choose a team. Yeah. I think there might be a shit ton of people that say, here's the difference. And I might be wrong about this. There's a shit ton of people we know that say they're bisexual. They're not. It's just easier to tell people you're bisexual. Mm -hmm. We know that exists. That's not the question. That's a fact. That exists. The question is, are there another group of people that say they're bisexual that are? Right. And I would imagine, well, we can find that answer out, I guess. Tweet us if you're truly bisexual. Yeah. By the way, not a person that says they're bisexual because we don't we can't trust them. Right. They Tweet don't us if you a doctor. I think we need a therapist. Because okay. you know what's funny? You know how when you know about something and you explain it to someone diligently and it makes sense. Whenever my friend Kevin explains something to me, like about sexuality or you know something about children and why we should do this with them and not that, it always makes so much sense. It's like. Oh, that, that that's really make it's like when you learn math and it all clicks. Yes. So I think if I asked him, he'd be able to with diligence go, here's what here's what it is. Right. Can we talk about the story from the book, which I think is so funny? Your parents went away, you took your bar mitzvah money and I re- had their lawn had the front of the house redone? I had here's what it was. We <laughs> lived across from the Nalabotskis. They had the, you know, beautiful landscaping. He was the builder of the neighborhood. So he built nice, you know, nice development. Remind me where this was again. In, uh, in Lafayette Hills. Okay. But he took like maybe four lots and built his dream home. Little did he know it was Todd Glass's dream home too. <laughs> it was very ahead of its time. It was very like Spanish stucco and very just, you know, beautiful home. And um, so I liked the lot that they did. I was like, oh, I like the way the mulch is. So, you know, and I like the way everything's clean and it's 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 so it sounds a little more dramatic than it is. Sometimes I go, did I really do that? So my parents went away, and it was the first time they let us stay home. I think uh, a friend of my mom's daughter stayed with us, you know, older than us. Mm-hmm. But, and there was a guy that would cut our lawn, and I go, how much would it be? And he was like, really? He let a 13-year-old kid? But, you know, it was like, I think it was probably like $450 or $350. I took some of my bar mitzvah money, which I still had some of it in cash because I never put it in the bank <laughs> right. when I got cash. So, and he just redid the side of the yard. It looked so, I was so happy watching him do it. <laughs> so, and then my parents found out that I did it and my dad gave me the money back. 
But I was like, it looks so good. And I remember my mom, I remember vaguely my mom outside with the landscaper, like after it all happened, you know, and he didn't, he felt a little bit like, should I have not done it? I think I might have fibbed and I forget what I said. Well, you always looked older than you were, right? I probably looked 17 at the time Mm -hmm. when I was 13. I was shaving already. Um, and my mom, and he goes, well, Todd's a, a, a big man in a little boy's body. <laughs> you know, I remember hearing him say that, you know. So, but yeah, that was a uh, remulch in the side of the house. I put some railroad ties in because the stone was spilling over on the slate walk. I hated it. You know what it was like to go? I needed order so bad. And I think that's why I, my mom was crazy clean, mm-hmm. but the house wasn't as orderly as I needed it in my head. I needed order. I needed the Nalabotskis was a was a was a. I always wonder if when if my mom hears me say this, she thinks I I love who my parents are, and they never sat us down and preached or told us anything words of wisdom like you know son. <laughs> but in hindsight, they lived it. Not only did they have all types of friends, we all hear the typical ones. Oh, they had black friends and Jewish friends and non-Jewish friends, but people of all economic. If my parents were at a dog show and they met someone that was you know not wealthy but maybe even you know on the just poor you know right. not you know what i mean but like probably not saying it they weren't poor if they were at a dog show but you know what i mean can you edit this of out? humble means yeah they didn't have a lot of money or maybe it was someone that was a the dog show that was a trainer it wasn't the people you know that uh they they befriended them they didn't give a shit they met people they liked and they became did your parents go to dog shows frequently they they, they showed dogs oh what kind well, Dober- Doberman Pinchers and Standard Poodles, believe uh. it or not. When we got our first Standard Poodle, my mom and dad didn't tell us because they knew we heard the word poodle. We wouldn't want it. Poodles get a bum rap in this world. Well, because <laughs> the way people groom them. and So yeah. when we went to look at our Standard Poodle, they just said, I think they said a water dog. <laughs> and, and we went to Bluebell, Pennsylvania to Ruth Lucan's house. I remember her name to this day. <laughs> and she bred dogs, but it wasn't a kennel. It was like all the, she had like you know, maybe four or five right. dogs. They I were loved. Them. And the puppies came out and we got Billy. We got Leela, and then we got Billy. And they were standard poodles. And then we had Bear, who was probably like 95 pounds, a, a big white standard poodle. Aww. And we just groomed them shabby, so they were cool. But um, So, yeah, they would go to dog shows. And, and you asked me a question back three minutes ago, and I forgot. It had something to do when I started well, talking. We were, talk- uh, we were talking about just the landscape and the order. But since, oh, the since order you bring I up dogs, I should acknowledge to the listeners – my dog, Wendy, who's in the other room, is freaking out because she wants to be in here with us. So if you are hearing some kind of howling, you are hearing that. I was You're talking not just about imagining the order. It. Yeah. That to this day, I can't help it. I really can't. I always like tell people when they come over my house. Sometimes when you're orderly, people get it confused with that you care if something breaks or something spills. And I'm always like, oh, no, I don't give a right. shit about that. Those are two different two compulsions. Different things. <laughs> I just like things orderly. I touch things. I touch, and I'm not afraid of, you know, I get it. You right. have to touch doorknobs. I, I'm, it's not that type of thing. But I really like order. I like order, and it, and I can think so much better with when things are in place. See, I'm the same way, and yet I, I've never lived in a place that's been as ordered as I would like it. And it's my own fault. I mean, my husband is neater than I am. Um, but, like, when I finally get a tabletop completely cleared off or a counter or something. I look at it and I, my inside I go, oh. and yet for some reason I don't, See, I, I don't even, go all the way. I couldn't even exist if in it this wasn't house. the way. I, no, 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 no. I couldn't exist. By the way, if it's my house, I can't, but um, I've had a friend, I've known Andrea since I first, I met her at a show actually. Andrea from the book who? Yes. 
who would who would always cover Who'd be for your me. cover, yeah. And Andrea, I met after a show back when I was probably. Oh, I don't know. I was probably like 30 and Andrea was like 22. I became friendly with her and her boyfriend. And when they broke up, I chose Andrea because <laughs> we were just like dear friends, practically with my sister. And I go to her parents' house in Ventura and it is so much love, but chaotic. <laughs> I mean, there's paneling in one room. There is shit everywhere, every corner, furniture, stuff. But I love it. I find it so calming to be in that house. So I can go somewhere else when it's like that. Yeah. It's clean. But it's chaotic, and I love it. But for my house, I cannot. I just have to have it in order. I have to. Are you, and here's where I'm just asking practical life advice. Are you constantly putting things in the right place? Is it like a once a week thing, or is it you never Const- let it get out of? I never let it get out of order. Never. I have very specific ways I have. Like, I'll give you one example. Like, I don't like a junk drawer because you can't see everything. So right. what I created these, you know the shoe trees? Yes. Now, there's some shoe trees, I'm very specific with this, that are canvas. You can't see into them. No. The clear shoe trees. They're like every plastic bag you can see through. Mm-hmm. So I have one. I find <laughs> doors where I can hide them, and I have my, my toolbox shoe tree, I call it, because I like seeing it. So I don't need a toolbox, but in the laundry room door, you open it up, and there's a shoe tree. I can see it. There's the pliers. There's screwdrivers. And then I have a junk drawer shoe tree and another closet door open, and that's scotch tape. You can see it. You know, birthday candles. You know, you don't need them, but a year rolls around. Light bulbs. And so I have everything like that. Very organized. Everything has a place. Everything has to be. But, you know, my brother who is a teacher and can sort of see the signs of, you know, people love to throw around the term, oh, you're OCD or you're this. He goes, I'd say you're fucking crazy fucking clean with a tinge of, I'll I'll take that. He goes, well, I see you have parties at your house, and you have to let go of that stuff, so I'm surprised what you can let go of, Mm -hmm. and I can. I mean, I'm very orderly. What's your system for paper? Paper is my downfall. Like collecting, Like, just all the paper that you accrue in the course of a day. So, like... Print out like printouts of contracts or something that actually things like that. I think file. this is all online at this point, so yeah. I probably don't even need to keep I file it. it. But receipts or you, the mail that you don't want to deal with right away or this. I or deal that. with it right away. Oh, I guess that's the answer then. I deal with it right away. I don't let anything. I have a file. My brother said one time he goes, we were, I was home for Christmas. He goes, fuck miscellaneous files. And I go, you piece of shit. Now I have to get rid of my. And he was right. Miscellaneous was a lazy way. Write out something, uh, emergency driver's license and passport. I have one in my office desk. If I'm ever on the road and God forbid something happens, I have a a color copy of both. And that's like my emergency or, you know, uh, and I just don't, no miscellaneous, one file. So what if it has one thing in it? If I ask somebody to go home and get something, open up my desk drawer. So like I'm always like just keeping things perfect. I think for me, uh, I spend a lot of time figuring out, should I keep this or should I not keep this? And that, trying to figure it out, Yeah, I just let it down. go. I've learned like some tricks with like, is this boring? I hope not because I think it's interesting. Okay. I had piles and piles of pictures and that was one of the things yes. I didn't like. I didn't like it. I So I I heard something on television from, you know, one of those morning shows that's usually, uh, what are you going to learn? I'm a, an organizational expert. I teach people. <laughs> but I did learn something. So now everything's digital, and I pick the ones I want, and I'll make an actual book, which I love. That you just you take a trip, you pick, right. you, you have a hundred pictures on your phone. I do. I pick this maybe the twenty five I like. I make a book. You know what I mean? You know, you go online, you just make a photo yeah. album. But for the old ones, she said, go through them. If you have a, sixty pictures from this trip you took, or fifty, 
Pick seven. Pick eight. Maybe one trip. You only want two. One you want 15. Put them in an album. Yes, and throw the other pictures out. It's hard, but you should look at it like not disrespect to the memories, but respect to the memories. Respect your memories. Wait, wait. I'm respecting my memories from throwing pictures out? Yeah, because then you put those in a book and they go on a table and you respect them. It's the old true because you're not looking at the 35. You're not. You're not. You think, photos. like, oh, I can't throw, throw. And stuff like that. I always get rid of stuff. I threw out three cases of CDs and it was the best day of my life. Because when I was in a relationship, wow. he, he wouldn't let me throw them out because, you know, he wanted them. And they weren't in their cases and some were scratched and same thing. She said, if you have a cover or two that means something to you, all your CDs and there's three that like, oh, I remember that, that buying that CD reminds me. Pull those out. The rest, it's a digital age. Utilize it. The, oh, just cases and cases of clutter. Three of them. I put them in a bag. I go, Chris, you got to take these to your place now. And he had to. You know, I was like, I'm going to throw them out or you take them. So that was the only thing that made me feel like all those CDs gone. Goodbye. I all the pictures gone. The back of my car used to just be just littered with um, this is before everyone had their music on MP3s. So with CDs and cases and the CDs would be loose. And I remember my friend who's a musician and orderly looked back and he's like, this distresses me. <laughs> I know. It just stresses you. And you know, I, I think there's an in-between group, which I'm really learning early in life that I figured it out. My friend's um, parents are moving. Now, they're not pack rats. Matter of fact, the opposite. Their home is, it is organized. They have a basement, though, and there's shelves, and there's things from over the years. Now they're thinking about downsizing. And she goes, I just didn't realize you start buying so much shit. And I stopped just just stop buying it you know you'll you, you just you just just think about what you're buying cuz slowly one day in life you know maybe you'll be 75 maybe you'll be 80 don't have just loads right. of just you know so i try already stop buying stuff stop buying shit i have a product that can help you you do yeah help you not buy excess stuff that you don't need when you're making dinner it's blue apron do you know blue apron they send you a box with all the ingredients did you, did you just hear about it? No, no bull. Because I, you know, obviously sometimes I do the infomercial Sometimes stuff. there's some bull. <laughs> but no, no. But, but this is like, I heard about this, but I, I will actually be interested to hear the details. Because you're right. If you go to make something, you don't want to buy it, but you want to make it. Right. But you don't want to, you need paprika. So you right. Go oh, buy, buy a whole jar. Yeah. yeah. And then so, measure it out. And so no, I'm they, listening yeah, they take all the guesswork out of it. They send you a box um, with all the ingredients you need to make a delicious meal. And it's all perfectly proportioned. So. So it's so easy. It's all right there. But you're still making. You're still dinner. making it. Yeah, you just don't have to go through the hassle of going to the store and mm -hmm. not knowing how much to get, and then having leftovers and then measuring it out and all that mess and all that is gone. And then they send you a uh, recipe card. And so even if you're not um, God's gift to the kitchen, or maybe you are, but if you're not, can then I interrupt you? Yes, you can. That's the key thing. Even if you don't know how to cook, but you want to cook, brilliant. You just empty out the paprika. Now right. you don't have to measure it. That's the right amount. Yeah, even you if you're a great it. cook and you know it, but you don't have all the ingredients for this thing you want to make, and making that dinner that night represents, oh, i got to go to the supermarket, and I don't have that, and I don't have... So even if you're a great cook, it's a great thing to do. Right, right. So there's a recipe card, and they've got pictures, and they make it super easy. Um, yeah, because I'm, I'm a corner cutter in the kitchen, because if there's a recipe and it's like, oh, it, you know, you need... 
fennel seed or something like that. And I don't have that. I always, I always make the mistake of thinking, oh, it can't be that important. And the thing with cooking is that it's science and each ingredient is that important. So Blue Apron gives you everything you need. Meals are 500 to 700 calories per serving, but you'd never guess it given how delicious they are. Um, Just $9.99 a meal. And they work around your schedule and your dietary preferences. Cooking takes about half an hour. Shipping is always free and they'll never send you the same meal twice. This week, chicken Charlemagne with roasted parsnip potato mash. Brussels sprouts, turnips and carrot, spicy Korean rice cakes, Momo style, crispy brown butter gnocchi with Meyer lemon and Brussels sprouts. These are just a few of the things that are on the menu this week. You can guys can see what's on the menu this week and get your first two meals free by going to blueapron.com slash Allison. That's right. Two meals free just for going to blueapron.com slash Allison. Okay, let's do a segment which is called Just Me or Everyone, where people write in with things that they think or do, and they wonder, is it just me? Is it everyone? And then we say whether we also do them. Okay. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay, Lennox Ruiz says, always fears of getting shamed by the staff of Costco when I attempt to get a second free sample of goodies. Yeah, that is shameful. No, I do the same thing. I mean, I do it too, but it is, yeah, no, I don't mean you should be ashamed. I mean, I also feel ashamed doing it, but occasionally they're really good samples. And you know what I'll do if no one's at that dish? Hmm. Like if it's at Cantor's late at night and have like some, they, you know, took a cheese pocket and they cut it up. I will sit there and shove seven or eight in my mouth i'm like oh yeah let me get enough in here to the whole cheese pocket <laughs> but if no one's around if somebody's around i'm like uh ooh, it's embarrassing yeah. i try to like uh, or you try that like oh that's really good oh so, hey do you want one i'll get one for you yeah. like that. i just take it you know why because i can put it somewhere else in the store so if i want to taste it but i'm like i don't want to hear the spiel on it but i don't want to say no i just wanted to eat that i don't want to buy that right. turkey sausage i just throw it in my cart and then when i'm an aisle away i put it in the refrigerated section somewhere <laughs> Here's my here's my beef with the Costco sample situation. Any samples you mean? Like anywhere you're at where they have samples or just I uh, know sp- this is a specifically Costco unless there's other places that do this as well. They will give you a sa- like an entire ravioli but no fork or anything. So it becomes impossible to it, first of all it's really hot and it's too big to eat in one bite. So it's just a mess. Don't they usually give you a little paper plate with it? Yes. But no f- no utensil. You know, so you so just funny. have to kind of eat such the a plate. Pig, I eat it all no matter oh. what. I just shove it in my mouth and I'll and I'll just keep my mouth shut and orchestrate it, keep turning it until I can like go, mm, okay, now I move it over to the mouth. <laughs> okay, now I've got to mush it down a little bit. Eventually, I'll be able to take this. I have to say, I've been disappointed in Costco of late. My, do you go to Costco often? I don't. I don't know why. I don't, I don't buy... Uh, in bulk. You know what it is? I hate shopping. I hate unpacking yes. so much. I do it in a... I do everything as calm as I am in certain areas. I'm always rushing. So I would rather come home maybe three or three times a week with one bag. So I go to the supermarket. My, my thing is I'll go to the gym, and then on the way home from the gym, I'll run in the Vons and get, you know, $30 worth of stuff. And mm-hmm. I do that three or four times a week. But some people can't. I get it. But that's so I don't, I'm not a, I don't buy anything at Costco. That's a very New York way to live because I lived in New York for years, and because I didn't have a car, mm-hmm. I remember the first time I went grocery shopping, I made, I didn't think it through, and I made the colossal mistake of buying way too much. And then I'm like, well, how, I have, how am I going to get this home? home? I guess I'll get in a cab with all these bags. But yeah, I would just hit the store every day. I actually prefer that. Yeah, it's that a way of easier. life. Yeah. It's a little easier. All right. Jamos and Bobos says the last serving of crackers is the best in all of its extra salty goodness. I cannot 
agree with you on that one. Wait, the last the serving? last serving of crackers is the best. With what does all that of mean? It. The last serving? I think like in a in a let's say a let's say wheat thins or something oh, like that. Oh, because all the salt yeah. fell to the bottom. Right. So the last few crackers are the best because they're extra salty. I've never noticed that, but. Why, why do you think no? Well, for me, I just feel like, or if it's like something that has some kind of zesty seasoning, it's just too much it's at that point. It's too much by the time it hits the bottom. Yeah. I can see where one would like it, though. Yeah. I just, for me, that's not, my favorite cracker is not the last one. Do you have a favorite cracker? It's, uh, maybe it's the first one. First one? Or any type of your favorite oh, cracker? Oh, my favorite type of cracker. I actually, I like wheat thins. I don't. I don't keep a lot of carbs around because carbs are my downfall. Carbs are the thing I can't really control yeah. myself around. So I don't. Triscuit. Is it Triscuit? Triscuit. I don't love Triscuits. Really? Now Do that you? they have like the herb oh, I Triscuits and the Crunch. Those. I smoke pot. And when you need Crunch, God damn it, those Triscuits are like. Is it Triscuits? I think? It is Triscuits. Yeah, they have yeah. all the different flavors yeah. now. And they have that Crunch. It's like crazy. It's like a parody of Crunch. It's like <laughs> Crunch. <laughs> crunch. <laughs> It gives you everything you need. If you can keep going one after another, crunch, crunch, crunch. I'm, I'm totally into that. And Maybe whipped I need to revisit them. Peanut butter is my new favorite thing. Really? If you haven't had it. I haven't had it. Picture like whipped cream cheese. Just okay. fluffy. It's like they take peanut butter and they, what, they just whip it. So you put carrots or celery or apples and it's like now. Like, whew. But that wasn't the question. But I, now, now I'm interested in this whipped peanut butter. I'm not really a peanut butter fan, but I am a texture fan. So it's pretty good. If you're not a peanut butter fan, you won't like it. But if you are out there in listening land, get yourself <laughs> some whipped peanut butter. Gypsy Bagel Hand says, just me or everyone, talk to my dogs, then respond to myself and what I've decided that their voice must sound <laughs> of like. Course, of course, <laughs> yes, I do that. Everyone does that. Yeah, I, I was I talk about this in my act a little bit, but I have this thing. And I'm not you know, I always say like those people that go, You're no you know your dogs don't understand what you're saying. It's like why do they Yes, yeah. everybody gets it. Don't <laughs> worry. And, and if, if somebody it does think, that, you know, your dog understands a lot, but there's limitations to what your dog understands. And it's a given in the relationship right. of sane people. <laughs> so I don't know why people need to go, you know, the only reason your dog licks you is because uh, it, it wants the salt off your body. I would imagine that might be true. But why are you not telling everybody? Right. What do you think? No, I thought my dog licked me because it wanted to fuck me. <laughs> I'll go home and hit my dog and go, oh, I, hey, I heard you only like to lick me for my salt, you piece of shit. <laughs> so with that given, I love the talking. You know, they don't know what you're saying, obviously, but they know energy. They right. know love, of course. And I would always go, Ursula. She was a bulldog. I was at my house for a while. And I would go, Ursula, you've eaten enough. And she would be like, doing what this person's saying, but why can't I eat like you do? Like, <laughs> I see you eat till you can't breathe anymore. I like you know. I just want to do that like once a week. Just feed me like until I'm done. Like just keep giving it to me. You know. BKMJK says, "Just mirror everyone." Oh, another uh, carb one. Don't eat heels of bread, but use them as seals to keep the rest of the loaf fresh. So doesn't eat the end of the bread, but uses it as a seal. That's how my parents do it. You know, I do that too. I don't eat bread. I'm not. I don't have any bread around. I don't have anything. By the way, no joke. When uh, when my I think it was my niece visited me. I no, I have no food in the house because I'll eat it. Mm-hmm. Now she asked me, "Really, have no self control?" And I went inwardly. I went, "Do I really have no? I, I mean, I guess we can do anything we want. So right I, in, on, on a certain level of, I guess I have control, but I am too lazy. But so the answer is no. So I have. 
I'll have spaghetti and some of the standards in the house because I probably won't boil spaghetti if mm. I'm hungry. Although I, I, you know, when I'm starving, I will, but very rarely. But I have no food in my house because I will eat it. That's I, the house I want to live in. Being married has made it more difficult. But I used to live in a very like food-free house. Yeah, and it, it's easier. Like I'm having friends over tonight. I'll go over to the store and I'll, you know, I'll get some stuff right. and I'll get some, you know, so I have food. But I'll eat it. Like, I go home to my parents' house, and, you know, because they have grandkids and they're not gluttonous, they'll have five types of ice cream in the freezer. You know, so I'll have some uh, ice cream sandwiches, some ice pops, open up the candy drawer, there'll be some Twizzlers, there'll be some uh, goldfish, and I sit there and I go, I will eat and eat. I'll have, one night, I had five Klondike bars. (laughs) I went home to visit my parents. You think, five Klondike bars? Yeah, at eight o'clock, one, and then you have two, right, you know, the next one, and you think, okay, you just had two, it's enough, Yeah. And then at 11 o'clock, <laughs> I'll have half a Klondike bar. And then by the end of the night, i Then I'm you like, don't want to just put half back, yeah, so... Yeah, just fucking eat five of them. Well, I can relate to all of, like <laughs> all of hear, that. Let me hear another one. Um, okay, Jake Guntz says, having a favorite fork in your utensil drawer. I don't have a favorite, but I definitely have my favorites. I definitely have, like, there's... A when specific we, one or, or a, I think he means a specific one, which I don't have. But we have, you know, when we um, combined our utensils, there I definitely favor these types of forks versus these. Oh, types that of I forks. have. Yeah. When I had twice, now I don't because now after I when I was in a relationship for a while, you know the 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 upside in a silly way is I can get rid of like I like now <laughs> I have all one right type of fork, but. uh I do have something that happened. Uh, this this Jake Jake Adams works on my podcast, and he does all the music and everything. And he goes, uh, lately my dad's new obsession is that all the forks and spoons have to go in the same way in the dishwasher. And I go, hey, Jake, go fuck yourself. Because now I have a new thing that I can't stop. I told him that a week later because now I thought about his dad. He just said it randomly one day. He goes, my dad's new obsession is now I became obsessed with it. And I, when I met his dad, I go, hey, I should punch Do you, you in your mouth. you mean up versus down or just actually facing the same All way? All the same way. All the spoons go in one. That way, when you empty it, it's easier. All the spoons go oh. in one square. All the forks. But... I thought they can't get as clean if you do that. Oh, that's my next thing I just oh. learned, which let me let go of that. <laughs> that there's a re- They call it spooning. because yeah. it's, So you don't want to put all the spoons in one and all the forks in another because they cling the together. Spoon and fork, yeah. And they don't get as clean. So I let that go. Good. Good I, for you. Yes. One, one more obsession I didn't need. Do you want to get into a relationship again? You know, that's a good question. Um, and how long has it been? It's been about almost two years. And when I say we're amicable, we're better than amicable. We're, we're extremely close. And uh, I guess the next level would be when if he or I get into another relationship, how you know we have to accept the other person, which I know I will because I, I can't have this relationship with him the way it's been going, that we're still incredibly close and want to share everything. Unless if he's with somebody that not only do I accept right. that person, hopefully love that person, like really like them, then we – but if – you know, so do I want to – I I want to make sure – look, every relationship is work, a little bit of work. But it, it can be easier than – you know, like when you're in a lot of bad – I hear this from a lot of people. When you're in a lot of bad relationships and you think relationships are work – but then when you get into a good relationship, you're like, oh, my God, I didn't know it could be this easy. Yes. That doesn't mean it's not perfect. That doesn't mean – so even the best relationship, let's say the best amongst two civil people, like my friends that are in happy relationships, you know, 
even those don't take the work of bad relationships, but still take the work of even of when it's the person you're meant to be with. You have to share your time. You should want to share your time. You don't own all. So I know that that's something that I've been utilizing while the breakup happened. Don't rush into it again because now I've just been pouring it into my career. And if a date comes up, I take it. If I'm on the road and I want to do something else, I do it. But yes, I do want to be in another. I do want to be in a relationship. And I, I want to meet somebody. It's hard because, you know, I realized when we were in the Bahamas, like, this is this relates back to that. Like, And by the way, when I say it's hard, it doesn't mean it's not doable. Mm-hmm. That, that person's out there, and I'll meet them. But not even for the, like, oh, I need to go out with someone younger because... No, no, no. Hey, you know, obviously, you're, you're, a, lot, a lot of times you're attracted to younger people. Um, I think it happens a lot, but I don't put a limit on it. I could meet someone my age. I could. But here's the, the problem. That Chris was like me. That, like we said, we had friends like Barry and Joanne. We had friends our own age. But it, those, we met these two kids on the island. They were brothers. They came up to me after a show. They were he was twenty two and his brother was eighteen. And we really enjoyed hanging out with them. Everybody, they were like, I can't get enough of Ben and Henry. <laughs> they were smart and they were fun, and we thoroughly enjoyed. My mom was the same way, and my dad. My mom had friends all over, and uh-huh. still does. It's hard to meet someone else like that. And even people in our group, yeah, you could tell when we went out at night. If we went out at night, me and Chris, I don't care what it was. If I met someone and, and we just liked them, it's hard to meet someone else like that. So you tend to want to, you know, so it's I have to meet somebody. They, they, I want to meet someone like that, like Chris, you know, and they're out there, but it is difficult. Does that make sense? Yeah, someone who it sounds like has the same zest for life and the, sa- well, and the same... Um, Habits, social habits, let's say. Yeah, like don't look at it. Like I know there was one girl in our group, and I won't mention her name. You could tell she couldn't hang with them. She When we went out at night, like even Barry and Joanne, if they were there, this is everybody. It was a free-for-all. Like, you know, and, and I could tell this one girl who was probably about 35 couldn't. And I'm like, oh, I, she, she wasn't being negative, but you could tell she just couldn't hang with like a younger group of people, mm-hmm. you know. So I like I couldn't, you know, I, I need someone that can. So. Right. I haven't really met anybody. Maybe I'm not really putting effort out. I think I am, but it's... I thought once I came out, it would become a lot easier. But people come up to me after shows now, and I'm still afraid to ask, like, are you <laughs> this or are you that? Or And then even if they say it, are you... Like, how do you say, are you attracted to me? It's like, right. So I just still go through a lot of nights where uh, someone will be talking to me. I think I'm afraid to say are you gay? Because I don't want to think if they are, I'm giving them the walking papers. Like, you know what I mean? Like a guy for me, I live so much in the straight world for a long time. I think of the guy that goes, Hey, if a girl's not interested, goodbye. No, it's like, I just want to know, know what's going on here. Right. And if you're, if you're straight, right. Or, you don't want, like, you don't want them to feel like you only care about that one thing. Exactly. So I don't ask, but someone says, you're going to have to ask and they'll see that if they say either I'm straight or I'm gay, but I'm in a relationship that you're like, okay, now I know it's gone. If I, if you're fun to hang out with, I still want to hang out with you, you know? And, but it's been a little, it's been a little difficult, but I'm, I'm making baby steps towards getting comfortable to, to, to find right. out what's going on. How have you met people so far? Well, I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't. But uh, I, I, I will, you know, mm-hmm. I think in the last six months, I'm starting to like, OK, Todd, make a little more effort. And I have in two situations. I asked I was like just under my breath, just ask, just ask what the, their situation is, you know. So I think I'm going to start being able to do that. But um, yeah, the story of how you and Chris got together in your book was incredibly poignant with him 
you know, you getting up the courage to express your yeah, that was, attraction to him and then him saying he that wasn't his thing. Well, he... <laughs> That's part of what's just so fucking hilarious about Chris. Like, that he did that was so funny, you know? But, like, yeah, I met Chris at the Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa Beach. He was a doorman there. And uh, I had always, you know, uh, fallen for straight people. And then find out they're not. I thought they might be gay and then found out they weren't. And then either really liked them and continued a friendship and... But that's why I thought that's what it was. I thought it was just one more person. And I said, hey, I'm going to this Halloween party at my friend friend's house. And uh, he ended up going. And then, uh, yeah, we just sat in the kitchen just talking and talking and talking and talking. And then when I finally go, you feel like a little kid when you haven't dealt with it, you know, so much. You, you're just like, you feel like you're in high school again. And I was like, hey, there's something I want to tell you. And as I'm saying, I'm like, you're a full-grown adult, Todd. What the fuck are you doing? You're acting like you're a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> You know, or 12-year-old boy, you know. Um, and then I would be like, there's somebody here at this party I really like. He, he goes, oh, who? I go, I can't tell you. And he's like, just say who it is. And I'm like, but what if it made you uncomfortable? <laughs> you know, he's like, already. He goes, just say who it is. I go, what if it was you? Would that freak you out? And he went, oh, dude, I'm not into that. I was like, fuck. I got a sick stomach ache. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm just kidding around. And then <laughs> one thing lead to another. And then he told me he was just fucking with me oh i didn't okay yeah i didn't i didn't know if he was just fucking with you or if he also was sort of he wasn't fucking with me but i think he was i think you know it's so funny you're right it's funny like yeah he was i i lazily moved past it but he said he was probably not ready yet either right and then when i could tell when i went inward and he could tell i mean he was smart enough to tell it crushed me and it made me feel like shit because i thought i was scared he works at the comedy magic club he just sort of, it was like 10 minutes later, he just, you know. Right. Just, yeah, it was It was very moving. It was, it was a very, you know, I remember, you know, I remember the next day uh, driving home. And that was very just, you know, I, don't, I, I told the guy, Jonathan, who wrote the book with me, I don't want to be dramatic if I don't have to be. I'll save it for when it was. I don't want to be drunk, dramatic or overly dramatic because I think it's, it, it makes the page better. But that was a day where I was like, I pulled over on the side of the road, and I was like, <sighs> I was just fucking beat. And I just started to break down. You cried, right? I did. I cried. I was like, you know, one more person that I'm never going to talk to again because he was probably too young, got, you know, probably freaked out because we had, you know, fooled around. And uh, I was just like, had it. I was exhausted. It all just came, like, overwhelmingly just flooding, you know, um, just just overwhelming for me. And, and then... Do you think that was your own or was that self-loathing projected outward or do you think that was that had just sort of that was a realistic belief about what might happen? Well, I I was exhausted because I knew that being in the closet was not going to help me meet anybody. And I was like, but no, I didn't even think of it that way. All I thought was one more guy who either we fooled around, but. He's maybe now weirded out. Right. So he's not because I'd been there. I had done that to probably some people over the years, just been weirded out. You know, uh, if I thought someone wasn't at my level of hiding it, I was done with them. I was done. If the next day he'd go something, I'll go both my parents know when I'd be like, okay, we're done. No, no, no. I'm wow. looking for someone like me. My God, that winnows the pool down so much. To yeah, find- to, an, to another the Pers- other, other the mirror image of yeah, you basically. which is another yeah. unhealthy person basically <laughs> in this case i lucked out it was someone 
just like me, right. but maybe we were like two people on heroin. Didn't mean we were good for you. You know what I mean? We did have every, we were meant to be together. Maybe not but unhealthy, just still working through. Still working through it. it. So yeah, we were both, yeah, we both knew that we didn't want to be like that forever. But, uh, but yeah, then the next day I, he called me and gave me, we didn't have cell phones yet even, but he gave me his work number <laughs> and then his pager. And then I was like, and then from that day, we, I don't think we broke up twice for maybe a month, but. From that day forward, we talked every single day. And, uh, you know, so it was, it was a good... I don't look at it like, oh, all that was for nothing. Mm-hmm. I get sad sometimes that it's over, but I don't think it was all for nothing. It was it was all for everything. It was a big part of my life, and it was a great part of my life, and it's still a great part of my life. Why did you guys break up? You know, I to, think this to happens... To the degree with, you want to uh, answer. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, you know what... You know, the reason every time when I answer a question like that, I always think, why? Why Why are you talking about it? For what reason? Mm-hmm. And I think it always reminds me, like, Mr. Rogers had a quote that if it's mentionable, it's manageable. And that was the opposite of the way people were back in the, I always say 50s and 60s. I don't know exactly when all that, when everything became shamed. Right. But everything was shamed back then. And that's why I always say when, you know, go up. Don't blame kids for where we're at today. There's a big perception that everything was going great, and then a group, a generation came along and said, fucked it up. Like, no, no, (laughs) that's not what happened. And it's not my opinion. It's just a goddamn fact that nothing, it wasn't perfect. Women weren't happy being head of the household. So anyone that goes, well, doesn't someone have to raise the children? Yes, but there's going to be a new way. There's going to be a new way that it doesn't have to be the woman or it, there, there's new ways. And in the meantime, if, if, if it's not perfect, it, the answers are ahead of us. So I think that not mentioning stuff just became bad and everybody hid stuff, whether it was your son was an alcoholic or you were or gay or you got a divorce or in your case, Jewish and everything was just shushed, you know, everything was shameful. So the reason, if it's mentionable, it's manageable. I think it's good to talk about it because it's what Mr. Rogers said. If it's mentionable, <laughs> it's manageable. Yeah. So here we do. We mention it. So the, um, the reason that the relationship ended, even though he was the one that suggested it, you know, the romance had fallen out of it. And we were both too young to not have that part of it right. i still was uh, thought he was uh, adorable and i still do and i still think he makes me you know laugh and i i think he can be you know what i mean like i still it was never like i ever looked at him at the end of the relationship and went oh i just want to no i always to this day i like being with him and going out and he, he you know he cracks me up like my comedian friends crack me up but that part of it fell out of it i think that's my version of it we mm-hmm. don't talk about it specifically that much but i think even though he was the perpetuator of it I thought, no, I mean, it probably has to happen. You know? Yeah. It probably has to happen. I don't know. I don't know if it will ever reconnect, but if it does, it's down the road and it's not something I think will happen. Mm-hmm. But I also don't, I'm not waiting around like, you know, foolishly. Oh, maybe, you know, I do want to meet somebody else. And, um, and I think I will. Right. Um, all right. Back to just me or everyone. Scott Hatherly says, can't stand online top 10 lists that make me click through one page at a time instead of consuming it all at once. Yes. I don't relate with that. Um, no, I mean, I don't even. You, you don't know what he's talking about or you don't. I don't know. what he's talking Oh, about. like online when you find an article and it's a slideshow. And so it's like, you know, top 10, whatever, uh, Oscar or some things. And you see one and then to get to number 
So it's like ten, and then to get to number nine, you have to click something, and then you have to oh, click. Oh, it's not to all see. listed. Yeah. Oh, that would I wouldn't even. You know what? Yes. I wouldn't find out what it was because I wouldn't have the I wouldn't right have the, the patience because there's always yeah. Because yeah. the yeah. um, there's always like a number four is going to be an ad, and it's yeah, it's very it's they call that clickbait basically. It's just to make people click. Um, all right, Kelly Conkle says, "Just mirror everyone. Have you been in an elevator and wished you could unpush a button when picked the wrong floor? Oh yes, of course. Everyone. And you feel guilty." I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Right. Or I lie. Like because you know what I do when I get in the elevator? Especially when I don't want – if it's late at night, maybe I just want to get up to my – if I'm in Vegas and there's a crowd of people and I just want to get the door shut and I go, oh, my God, now I'm by myself. I'll get to my floor. I'm, I'm, the chaos is gone. Mm-hmm. Is I just get in the elevator and you just press the top floor because that gets it going. You know what I mean? If you have to oh, look through good. your floor, just press the top floor. That's so smart. Get it going. You can always, when the door shuts, then press your floor. So I always get in the elevator. If I choose to, press the top floor. That's so smart. Yeah. And I here's a little bit of weird. That. I know that's not what they asked, but weird ele- yeah. ele- elevator etiquette. I've made this etiquette up myself. If it's late at night, and, you know, I won't say if it's a, a woman because that's sexist. Uh, somebody that I perceive that I am the... Uh, I'm the I'm the person that they would be scared of. Like mm-hmm. if it's somebody You're that, the threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be where it's it could be a guy. It could be a guy that um but I get out of the elevator first because I know they don't want someone walking behind them. That's nice. So you know Let's what I mean? Consider it. So yeah. you would think, oh let a lot of times it's so, you know, it, 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 maybe it is sexist. Oh, let the woman out first. No, because you're walking down the hallway. She does. So I always get out first and I figure. But a lot of times I don't want walking someone behind me either. So like my other trick is I get out of the elevator and go into the corner and use my phone and let that other person like just. What did people do before they I, could look busy with their phones? I, I, I don't know. How did they avoid situations before that? Yeah. When I get shy or embarrassed, that's always like if I'm walking somewhere. I, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm, and I'm sure everybody's like this. You know, I do comedy. I perform in front of a lot of people. But my most nervous is getting walking by the line at a comedy club where there's no back door and there's a line outside. Yeah. And I gotta walk. Th- I always get so nervous. Like I tell the other comedian, like if I'm with another comedian, I'm all right. But like if not, I'll be like. And then I don't want to do my phone thing anymore because I think everyone knows that <laughs> right or a fake talk or something. Mm. What is it? Do you get self conscious? I get or... self conscious. Yeah, I get self conscious. Um, and then here's the last one. Jesse Cowan says, if I say a word over and over enough, it loses all meaning and becomes a completely foreign sound. Bull, bull, bull. What is bull? Yes, I have that with words all the time. All the t- even names that yeah. we take. You're like, how did that? Like Craig, Craig, <laughs> Craig, 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 Craig. You know, and yeah. then you start. Buzzfeed. Um, which BuzzFeed always does. They never do the, the list thing where you have to keep clicking. They always put their lists all on one uh, page. But they had this really, I think it was BuzzFeed, this really funny thing about Glenn. And it was just writing Glenn over and over again and like all the different, how, how Glenn completely, like, can you believe Glenn is a name? Glenn, it sounds like the beginning of a name. And then someone's, you know, stop short. And just, and by the end, it's like, yeah, Glenn lost all meaning. Glenn, Glenn. Yeah, yeah. I think that all those weird things, that's why I like, Everybody does that stuff. That's why it's good to like, you know, people go, oh, there's so many terms today and there's so many, like we have o- OCD and yeah, we had it then too. We just didn't know what it was. All right. those things are real. That's why when somebody says something, I never laugh at somebody's plight. Maybe I used to be insensitive, but then later in life you go, oh, now you, 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 you get it. Like, you know, like I could see someone saying that about restless leg syndrome. I could see someone going, oh, now everything's your know, restless. 
But you know what it was before they called it restless leg syndrome? Do you know what restless leg syndrome is? It's Is it where you have the urge to move your legs constantly? Yeah, at night. And so people go, oh, well, didn't it used to exist? Yes, it did. You know what I called it 20 years ago? What? Before the term existed or I knew anybody else had it, I would go, I just to a friend, I would go, and if he didn't have it, you just told him the story. I would go, and it's like, I'm tired, but my legs aren't. <laughs> Like, so I lay in bed and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like, you know, like take my leg and shake it and tired. And then I'm like, so when they came up with restless leg syndrome, I, I was like, what is that? And then, and then I saw, well, that's what I have. And then it wasn't a medicine there, you know, it was try not to eat a lot of sugar before you go to bed or if you do a hot shower. And sometimes I will, I'll get up and just take a hot shower because, and then it goes away. So I'm like, okay. You know, so it's all those things like yeah. what reminded me of that was that thing that they just said, like. The name thing. You think, am I the only right. one doing that? Right. But anyway, that was a boring story. No, no. It Mine was, was. No, I get, sometimes though, I do get like my legs just feel antsy. It's like I have anxiety in my lower half. Right. And then take, try taking a hot shower. If okay. You, if, you, if you don't want to do it now. You want to get out of here? No. <laughs> <laughs> my legs, they're so antsy. Um, all right. You know what I want to tell you guys about though is blinds.com. What's going on with your uh, window treatments, Todd Glass? Do you have blinds? Do you have curtains? You probably have super fancy no, I don't. I'm I. Well, I have a theory. We'll talk about your blinds. Okay. Remind me to ask. So, me. well, blinds.com basically is a company, and everyone there is super passionate about window coverings. And I mentioned this on the last show. I needed them years ago because I became obsessed. That word we talked about. I became obsessed with curtains when I moved into this place. Not this one, but my place in Hollywood. Um, I bought so many different kinds of curtains and I would hang up like all these different curtains and I would make my boyfriend at the husband now boyfriend at the time go with me to buy them and return them and it was bringing me genuine anxiety because I couldn't figure out it was insane and I, I hear myself talking about it and it was insane because it shouldn't have been such a arduous decision but I just well, you have back- to measure yeah, well, there's all sorts of things. Blinds.com makes that super easy. Um, they have friendly experts that walk you through your buying process when you need help. Uh, friendly and helpful team of U.S.-based decorating experts. That's what I needed. I needed someone who had an expert opinion. Here to make your life easier. The site's super easy to navigate. Amazing choices and options. Um, and it's a new year, so resolve to make over your home. Out with the old and in with the new. You can get a designer look on a budget. They have blinds, shades, shutters, draperies, much more from top manufacturers like Bali, Graber, Leveler, Norman, and Blinds.com, very own designer brand. There's a really cool video design consultation service called Face to Face. They send you free samples. They have the sure-fit guarantee, so even if you mismeasure, they'll send you your product for free, so there's no risk. Um, and they also have an app called the window shopper that lets you take a picture of the window you want to cover and try on your blinds with augmented reality. And if you don't want to bother with the measuring installation, they can help you find a professional to measure and install for you. And if you're not satisfied, blinds.com offers a 30 day money back guarantee right now. Blinds.com is making it easier to keep your new year's resolution. At least the in with the new part, stick to your new year's budget with sales of up to 15 to 25% off popular products. Get geeky with cool remote control blinds and shades, sleep better on the weekends with blackout shades and drapes i really did go insane with the curtains though it was a it's a long pro i'm surprised that daniel stuck with me during that time (laughs) (laughs) i was just i was with that stuff are you i don't have a lot of patience when you know with picking stuff out i need to be more like that because i have infinite patience for driving myself insane trying to make the perfect choice i don't like anything covering the window if there's trees outside to be looked at because I always think, why would you? Is, is what you're putting over the window? Now, I like the 
be able to, if you do have uh, drapes, that they should move off the window completely. Yeah. Because especially with my house, when I first moved in, even though I'm in L.A. and there's obviously homes three feet away, <laughs> I put ficus trees all around my yard. So every window I look out, I see green. Oh, that's nice. Even on the cement wall, I got that stuff growing up. Mm-hmm. It's so 12, 13 years later. So I like <laughs> to just have all of it away from the window because my theory is, well, why would you want something if, if there if it's, if it's not as nice as what's out there, then why would you want to cover it? So I just like it push away in every window to be yeah. my new my new obsession is uh professionally clean windows because you think like you can clean them yourself but i they also don't... went nuts trying to clean glass <laughs> i have so what? many glass cleaners i got the guy i had this company they would come out and they would clean the windows but it was a little expensive to do too often i love the way it looked so i got the guy's number on the side so he comes for 50 bucks because oh, it wow. takes him an out with the squeegee but he mm-hmm. knows what he's doing now there's nothing like being in a home and every window is like, there's no streaks. You can get up in the morning when the sun's blaring in. And I love it. I just, now I'm like, sometimes every three months, I'm like, I'm going to get my window. Because <laughs> you got a guy. Yeah, I went, I went nuts with trying to get the streaks off mirrors. You can't. No. You, squeegee. You can use a squeegee if yeah. you know what you're doing. I remember I made this mixture of like cider vinegar and because I heard that was good. And it just smelled awful and didn't work. I tried to use newsprint. <laughs> glad i'm past all that yeah they have all those for rays. now i know todd glass thank you so much for being on my show this was delightful i'm was so fun. glad that we were able to finally do this yeah i know um if you're gonna buy something on amazon perhaps todd glass's book todd glass situation the todd click, glass situation click through the banner on my website alisonrosen.com it doesn't cost you anything extra but it does help out the show and i want to thank you guys so much for all of your support on amazon especially in this weird transitional time i appreciate it so much there's also um if you want to support the show there's paypal links on my website alisonrosen.com um where should they go to find you well i got my podcast the todd glass show so that's right now that's uh my favorite thing in the world to do. So doing that, and I think that's it. Well, what, where's my? I I don't my, my podcast. Okay. Oh, you mean like Todd Glass? Uh, like for dates and stuff like oh, that. Oh, my web, Todd Glass. Uh, Todd Glass. My website has all my dates. I don't okay. really pay attention to it. It's just my dates. Okay. Go there. Todd Glass on Twitter and my podcast, Todd Glass Show. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at A R I Y M B F. We have a ringtone available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. You need this. Get it by searching Hey, Go Fuck Yourself on your iPhone <laughs> in the right? iTunes store. That's Guess what right. I get to do now. What do you think I'm very much looking forward to doing right now as soon as this podcast ends? Going and getting that ringtone? No, getting your, petting your dog. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. Wendy, Wendy will be here shortly. Wendy, we're coming in. <laughs> <laughs> She's so excited right now, I'm sure. Um, wait, there's some. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have two special bonus episodes available recorded live at the LA Podcast Festival. The first one with Doug Benson and Greg Proops. The next one with Doug Benson, musician Matt Costa, and much of the Thursday Gang. And those are $1.99 in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. Um, and again, thank you so much, Todd Glass. And listeners, thank you so much for listening. Um, and apologies for what is was potentially bumpy audio still trying to figure out how to do all this but thank you so much for your patience thank you for sticking with me um i love you guys so much and uh i'll see you later goodbye hey do you know about the allison rosen show Alison Rosen is your new best friend